I'm Jonathan Goldstein, host of Wiretap. Each week you're invited to listen in on my telephone conversations, whether funny, sad, wistful, or even slightly strange. You never know just what you might hear on Wiretap. Uh, I mean, I knew you had a show. I just, I just didn't think that people actually listened to it. Howard, That's you... the breath of your genius, Jonathan. It's not just that you're funny, but you can be cripplingly, poignantly depressing. The Wiretap Archives, available on CBC Listen, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. That's me, Caroline, climbing out of my dad's speedboat. Careful. And that's my dad, Wade Hillier. That's all right. We're on this little island that's just off the northern tip of Newfoundland. This little island used to have houses on it. People used to live here one time. You gotta remember, the church was there. And that's what he put in the graveyard. Oh, the church was right there. Okay. All was left there now was the cemetery. That's the only people living there now. <laughs> They're not living very good. <laughs> no one gets buried in this cemetery anymore. In the, in the 80s, I guess. Last, last time it was used. Okay. Grand, grandparents are here. His grandparents, my great-grandparents, are buried here. Their graves are farthest from the water, but they're still vulnerable. That's my grandfather's headstone. Here, you want this Was it knocked down before? It wasn't broken before? No. Oh. That's snow and stuff. You know... Just lay it down flat, or, yeah. This one may have been knocked down by snow, or maybe wind. But to protect the graves from the sea, the locals have improvised a solution. That's built up like a crib. We call it a crib full of rocks and dirt. Nail it together, fill it up with rocks. And when the sea comes in now, uh, this cribbing protects the, the old graveyard. Okay, like Save the water from going in and totally washing out the grave, you know. Some graves are just a few feet from the water when it's at high tide. And the shoreline? It's eroding, while the storms that threaten it are getting bigger and more frequent. Looks like it's washing. You see the, the green and the grass has grown good there now, but later on in the fall, the water will come in and it could, high tide could come up an extra two feet. And if it do, if it's rough, then it causes a bit of damage and takes away the ground. Yeah, and this one... Nobody wants to see the caskets floating. <laughs> well, they won't float, but this one here is, you know, within six or eight feet, I'd say, of being, you know, exposed. Yeah, like really, though. Over the past 30 years, Thousands of graves have been damaged by erosion and storm surges brought on by climate change. And not only here. Nearly every year in Louisiana and Florida, graveyards flood. Photos show these century-old headstones breaking the surface, like stepping stones in a creek. And that's when the graves stay submerged. Even though my dad doesn't think these caskets will float away, some do. 
the impact of flooded and storm-strewn graveyards can be devastating and disturbing for families. And it's costly and complicated for communities to clean up. But while graveyards, especially old graveyards, are being impacted by climate change, new graveyards can actually help fight it. I'm Caroline Hillier, and this is Storylines. Today, green burials, a way to curb climate change even after death. I'm going to take you from this tiny Newfoundland island to Salt Spring Island in B.C., with some stops along the way, to learn what green burials are and meet the people who believe in them. Our next stop is in Sharon Collette's garden. garden tour. Our front lawn is now a vegetable garden. In her rubber boots, Sharon crouches down by one of her raised beds on her front lawn in St. John's. Um, Asparagus there. Corn, which I love growing. This is an impressive garden. She spends a lot of time here, pulling things from the earth, and lately thinking about how she eventually wants to go back to the earth. We were redoing our wills. It was just, they were old and we needed to update them. She's been researching after-death care with the climate in mind. What's most appealing is a green burial. But in Newfoundland and Labrador, there isn't a green cemetery yet. So her end-of-life care instructions are a little vague. I have sort of a very (laughs) non-committed... phraseology, saying that I would like to be married in the most environmentally option available in St. John's at the time of my death, basically. Right. And so you, you've got a few years left, uh, hopefully. <laughs> 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 so at the time of your death, are you hoping that there'll be a green cemetery? I'm, I'm sure there will be. Yeah. Right now, the closest certified green burial is in Halifax. That's where you'll find the full-of-life Wayne Hatcher. And I said, hey, Juanita, I'm going to go green burial. I want you to bury me naked. And she says, no, that's after we got the rules and regulations. She said, I'm not burying you naked, Wayne. I said, hey, put me on the living room floor and just roll me up in, 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 a, in one of our sheets and then take me to the cemetery and, uh, and everything will be just natural, just going back to the earth. Wayne and his wife, Juanita, own Sunrise Park Interfaith Cemetery in Halifax. We have the only certified green burial east of Ontario. What is a green or natural burial? Well, there's no embalming. For nature just to work on the body. The body is wrapped in a shroud or sheet or placed in a wooden or wicker box. Everything has to be 100% biodegradable. Then it's buried three to four feet below. Because for the ecosystem, hey, it's perfect. The elements of the earth are just fabulous. There are no headstones, but instead there's a simple and natural marker. A nice tree or a nice just granite rock with a name of the deceased on it. Sunrise Park is what's called a hybrid cemetery. About four years ago, Wayne set aside part of the cemetery for green burials. And if you couldn't tell, Wayne is all in. It's amazing how many calls are coming in wanting information on green burial. 
And I love for this to happen. It gives me love. I got goosebumps. You can see it all over my arms. Part of Wayne's marketing plan is his red truck with bold yellow lettering that reads Green Burials. Jason? Jason and Cheryl. Cheryl. Cheryl, it's such a pleasure to have you both here. After a call from a curious couple, he invites them for a tour. Beautiful. So happy you're here with us. You would probably be. Cheryl Stedman Roth and Jason Roth live just outside of Halifax. And our accountant, who's our executor, recently, when we're revising our will, recently nudged us to say, okay, you've been talking about it. Do it. <laughs> make a decision. Uh, make, make, make the decision <laughs> for me, please. And not having any children, uh, it's up to us. So here we are. So you're thinking about going green burial or cremation? Green burial. All right. Is. Cheryl is, Cheryl is set on a green burial, but Jason isn't sure. Green burial. The tour starts in the part of the cemetery that is not green. And Wayne lists off all the reasons why they're damaging for the environment and for the climate. Below those headstones, we have garden vaults, which are plastic. We have uh, concrete vaults. We have the caskets that's covered with varnish. We have statistics of tons and tons of concrete, um, thousands or millions of uh, board feet of lumber. And worse than that is the embalming. This down here with the embalming bodies, you're not feeding the earth. You're just poisoning the earth. Jason isn't really considering the embalmed fancy casket route. He's debating two options. I guess it's between cremation or green burial. But even cremation isn't innocuous. Okay. I'm going to suggest to you not to be cremated because you might as well get aboard my vehicle and drive as far as, what, River Duluth, roughly 1,200 kilometers? That's because when you cremate a body, it takes the equivalent of one to two tanks of gas for an SUV. That's according to the Natural Burial Association in Ontario. The incinerator operates at high heat for up to three hours, generally running on natural gas releasing carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. But can one body really make a difference to the climate? Wayne says every single one counts, and if we all do it, it could reduce carbon emissions significantly. And if that doesn't convince you, he has another point. At his cemetery, green burials are cheaper. He points to a large headstone. That monument down there would be $10,000. And then you get your caskets. And like I said, all the, and then, then the visitation. You're speaking at the finances. I'm focusing on the spiritual, yes. emotional, uh, aesthetics, yes. I think I'm not looking for a good deal as a spiritually consistent with my values deal. What's speaking to me is the, the emotional. The emotional, the spiritual yeah. part of it, yes. And I'm surprised that I, you know, the degree that I'm emotionally moved right now. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. It's, that's what it's all about here, I'm telling you. So let's walk down together. Can you feel it, Jason and Sherry? Can you just feel it in your bones when you're down in this section all by itself? Two large boulders sit at the entrance of the green section. The part of the cemetery that Wayne says has more life. Can you feel anything different? Peaceful, yeah. Quiet. How about you, Jason? Don't throw in a car, but I'm being moved. 
when I see somebody coming down here or even walking down with their loved one in a cardboard box or in a, you know, just a, a natural shroud, it's uh, just awesome. You just love it. Wayne is pointing out some of the graves. Some have flowers, boulders, fruit trees. Like I mentioned her first name, her first name is Pamela. And Pamela wanted a nice maple tree here. And this is a tree right here, about 14 feet high. And some other people would just want just all flowers over their grave with no markers. Cheryl plans to have a tree on her grave. I want to grow a tree with my genes. Since I don't have children of my own, I figure I'll come back as a tree and from there I'll go on to the animals. And <laughs> yeah, you, you've also played with the idea of the trees giving life to birds, squirrels, and uh, it's, it's more than a tree. Wayne says at Sunrise Park, more and more people are choosing this side of the cemetery. He says for every regular burial, there are three green burials. Maybe it has something to do with his sales technique. And today, another plot is spoken for. Jason is convinced. I've, I've shifted just in this visit. Yeah. Show me a spot where we can buy. Absolutely. This is not a rash decision. This is a culmination of a lot of thinking. Planning. And it feels right. The world of itself is not heading in a healthy direction. I look at children and I say their future is going to be more challenging. I spent a lot of time, a lot of effort promoting environmental causes, trying to live responsibly, contributing in a variety of ways. And what's resonating within me is that this is just a logical conclusion that is the purpose, to make a difference to the environment, to the ecosystem. And I think we are going to be making an impact. Jason and Cheryl plan to pick their plot and plant their tree themselves. We can find a spot. Yes. We can come while we're alive, yes. plant a tree yes. off a short distance from that spot. Yes. And we can commit to green burials. I think I'm going to have a lot of fun planting a tree. (laughs) And I like the idea that I'll be around to plant it. I've been sold. (laughs) I'm surprised. I've been sold. Green burial is, uh, is the way that we used to take care of our dad before there was a funeral industry. Richard Rawson has been a funeral director for 40 years in Winnipeg. He's focused now on green burials and is the president of the Green Burial Society of Canada. The group pushes for more environmentally responsible after-death care. The funeral industry itself really needs to play a role into making death a more positive, ecologically friendly experience. There are 12 certified hybrid cemeteries across Canada. And if there isn't one near you, you still may be able to skip the casket and chemicals. It's, it's a conversation with the cemetery and saying, will you allow this? And all they're, all they're doing is a, um, allowing an unembalmed body in the grave, in a grave that's dug uh, a little less than, than normal, in, in, in a traditional sense of the, the old six feet under analogy. 
As for the funeral industry, it's adapted to change before. When cremation took over, then in the pandemic, when technology and live streaming became popular. Now, Richard says, it's time to shift to green burials. It's, it's coming, and if a funeral director isn't going to agree to it, there's somebody across the street that will, and they'll just be left on the sidelines, basically. While the climate and environment are top of mind, Richard says there are other benefits to green burials. It brings people back to the whole thing of actually being hands-on, of, of participating in, in all of it, of perhaps sanitizing and, and bathing the body helping to dress or shroud, placing them in the container or the carrier tray, bringing them to the cemetery. And it's that touch and it's, it's that emotional connection to the deceased that I realized was so crucial to help people through. We need to take a quick break. Storylines will be right back. I'm Jonathan Goldstein, host of Wiretab. Each week you're invited to listen in on my telephone conversations, whether funny, sad, wistful, or even slightly strange. You never know just what you might hear on Wiretab. Uh, I mean, I knew you had a show. I just, I just didn't think that people actually listened to it. Howard, That's you... the breath of your genius, Jonathan. It's not just that you're funny, but you can be cripplingly, poignantly depressing. The Wiretap Archives, available on CBC Listen, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Tim Hi. and Joe. Hi, Hi Tim and Joe. This is my dog. This is Cowboy. 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 How you doing? Come here. <laughs> On Salt Spring Island in British Columbia, another cemetery tour. Is this a mountain? It is. It's Mount Bruce. Yeah, yeah. This is just the the foothill, the the base of Mount Bruce. Yeah, Kathy Mount Valentine's Bruce. property didn't always have a cemetery on it. Most of this 84 acres is agricultural, which means it's protected. But the other 17 acres is zoned rural. And on rural land, you can do different things, like you can build houses and you can subdivide it um, and you can log it. They wanted to find a way to protect this rainforest forever. And also, one of the listed uses actually on rural land is said, it says in our bylaw 355 is a cemetery. <laughs> so that's so funny. Like of all the things it lists, it lists maybe eight uses. And one of them actually says cemetery. <laughs> so I was like, oh. And that is how this part of Kathy's property became Salt Spring Island Natural Cemetery. It's a bit of a radical act of conservation. Turning the forest into a cemetery keeps it a forest forever. What we felt after that first one, we were like, yay, yeehaw, like one body in the ground, we've done it. Like the land is protected. The one body in the ground makes this a cemetery and protects all of this land. And the trees are second growth trees. They're about 100 years old. And they, they are... There's stands of trees in groupings, and then there's areas of, of, 
of openings where there are no trees. So it's we could just see that that we could leave those trees as as they were or are, and then put graves in between the stands of trees. So we didn't have to take out any trees. We didn't take out any trees. There are some key differences between this cemetery and the hybrid one in Halifax. This is one of only two fully green or natural cemeteries in Canada. Kathy doesn't allow people to plant their own trees here. And it's not really cheaper than a traditional burial. A full-body natural grave here is around $5,000. But again, economics isn't always a factor. It's climate, it's habitat for, for creatures, right? It's, 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 it's the trees. It's the trees themselves protecting them. It's, it's holding down uh, water and coolness, which is climate, which is also climate in the big sense, but also in the near sense, like just right here in this little ecosystem, in this little environment. It's the frogs, it's the ferns, it's the birds, it's the owls. The ravens nest in this forest, the, the, the barred owls nest in this forest. On and on and on in terms of nesting birds who come here and nest. On these tours, Kathy gets practical questions. The spots are, are not very deep, mm-hmm. like maybe three feet, mm-hmm. did you say? Yes. So being in the forest, mm-hmm. what you know what I'm going to ask. Right? <laughs> do, do the bodies get dug up by creatures? Like No, what? the bodies don't get dug up. Apparently the smell barrier is 18 inches. So there has to be 18 inches on top, which isn't really a lot, right? Interesting. Yeah. yeah. There's a mound of moss covering the most recent burial here on Salt Spring Island, the grave of Michael Angel. After he was buried, Kathy and Michael's daughter, Jeanette, gathered the moss and pieced it together like a puzzle. But it was the perfect time of year to do it right now with Jeanette. And a a year ago, we buried a woman, and it's the same thing. She came back the next day, and I did that. Oh, I've done that with a few people now, and it's really, it's it's a sweet time. Because, again, it's something people can do, and they can be a part of the grave and do it together. And I I think that's really nice. It's, again, it's like being in, in the earth not all in our heads or in our hearts, but doing something physical for our loved ones is is good for us. Michael Angel was a university librarian, a scholar who researched Indigenous culture, and he was a dad and a husband. He celebrated 60 years of marriage with his wife, Barbara, a month before he died this fall. He was 83. The word that came up for me today was he was a rascal <laughs> in a in a playful boy like sense. Um, he sparkled and he made other people sparkle. That's Michael's daughter, Jeanette. Michael had cancer and dementia. He loved nature and the outdoors, and a natural burial seemed fitting for Michael. And then my brother was able to bring my dad and my mother to the grounds, to the burial grounds. And that was, of course, absolutely transformative for my dad. At that point, he was still walking, and they walked into the woods and into the the site where it's, you know, in the, the forest, and it's the deep forest, it's the rainforest. And he just said, yes, yes, 
I, I would like to be here. I'd like to rest here. It's really, really quiet. And it's like the entire space feels like you're already enveloped in a nest or a cocoon or a, a, a working biosphere that, that doesn't feel like it's been engineered at all. You are in a natural environment. We had a, an Anglican minister who was willing to attend uh, and do a graveside ritual. And we also had a member of the Cowichan Nation who attended as a witness to our actions as well. And then, as it turns out, my mother spontaneously started singing a French voyageur song as we were doing the work of putting soil onto his body. And... So she sang a song, and then I sang a song as I was putting soil onto him. Called À la Claire Fontaine, and it's the song that I would sing to my children when they were first born. And so I would sing this song to try and help them sleep, and I would sing it, and I would get the, the stanzas wrong, and I would sing it, and I'd fall asleep, and I'd wake up, and they would be crying, and so I would sing again. <laughs> And so it was a very important song in my family for their birth, and it felt like the exact right song to help my dad with his passing, even though he'd already passed. À la claire fontaine, mon allant promener, j'ai trouvé l'aussi belle que je me suis baigné. Il y a longtemps que je t'aime, Jamais je ne t'oublierai. J'ai trouvé l'aussi belle. The translation? It's been a long time that I've loved you, and I will never forget you. Il y a longtemps que je t'aime, jamais je ne t'oublierai. The last line of Michael's obituary reads, while he sleeps among the trees, he would still welcome visitors. I have no illusion about whether a few people choosing to be buried this way will actually do anything in the larger sense of the word. But I do know that for me, I just, I don't want the layers and layers of intervention in a process that really is fundamentally natural. We are all nature. That's all for Storylines this week. Today's episode was reported and produced by me, Caroline Hillier, with Allison Cook. Thanks also to Jody Martinson in British Columbia and Moira Donovan in Nova Scotia for visiting cemeteries for us. A version of this story originally aired on What on Earth. Storylines is produced by AC Rowe, and the show is part of the CBC Audio Doc Unit. If you like the show and you care about Canadian documentaries, the best way to show that is to leave us five stars and a glowing review. Or tell a friend about us. I'm Caroline Hillier. Thanks for listening.
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.